portion of our show, Herstory on the Back, with Katie and Allie. Typically, it would just be Allie and I hanging out, having some cocktails, and talking about famous women in history. But sometimes, we like to talk to people who are writing about history. We have a very special guest here with us today, Danielle Friedman. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. We're really excited. Danielle's an award-winning journalist who specializes in telling stories at the intersection of health, sexuality, and culture. She's here today to talk about her new book, Let's Get Physical, How Women Discovered Exercise and Reshaped the World. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, well, as you mentioned, I'm a journalist. I primarily cover women's health and pop culture. Um, and I have been working on this project for like the past four years. So I've been living and breathing women's fitness history <laughs> throughout <laughs> the entirety of the pandemic and even a few years before that. So it's been a very interesting journey. Mm. That's incredible. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Katie and I have a, a part of our show every week where we describe what women look like and we sing Let's Get Physical on our show. Oh my God. Every, every episode. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Sometimes we're drunk and it's really off pitch, but we do sing it once a week. Every week. I love it. I love it. Well, we're really excited to talk about your book, but first we have to get into the cocktail we made for it. Um, so I was thinking a lot about obviously the fantastic Olivia Newton-John song and the jazzercise age and the aerobics age and your book is bright pink so we thought we'd tap into a little bit of 80s nostalgia and go for some blue curacao. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so this is an ounce of Malibu coconut rum, an ounce of blue curacao, some lime juice and you top the whole thing off with Sprite. I almost made it diet Sprite just for the fun of it, but <laughs> didn't want to do that to myself or anyone else. <laughs> um, so cheers to you and your book. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. It's so appropriately fluorescent. I love it. <laughs> it, is, it is delicious too, actually. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the colors on your website are so nostalgic <laughs> that I was like crying, looking, just looking at the color. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, um, <clears throat> I've always been, I don't know, I've always been nostalgic for a long time. I felt like I was maybe like born in the wrong era. And now that's just like evolved into me obsessing over and wanting to study in depth previous eras. So I've managed to like somehow turn that into a living, but Perfect. I'm glad that, that I have some fellow appreciators here. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> so let's start to talk about your book, but before we get too deep into it, can you set the scene for what fitness life is like for women? Because you kind of take in your book a timeline of what's going on throughout the history of women's fitness. Can you kind of set the scene for us? Sure. So my book begins in the 1950s and I was, I chose to start the story uh, in that period because um, A, it's sort of when the contemporary fitness industry was born, started to kind of, uh, develop its roots. And also it was a time when women were really actively discouraged from exercising in a vigorous way. Um, until before then, you know, there were periods where women were, were decently active, but in the post-war period when gender norms were strictly enforced and there was such um, a premium on being a lady and acting ladylike, you know, um, it, it created this context where women, where sweating was taboo and, you know, women were 
um, discouraged from, from really moving. Um, and so that was kind of the launching pad for the rest of the story and the evolution that got us up to today. That's great. And I love that it starts off with this really fascinating character of Bonnie Pruden. Is that how you say her name? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She is just really interesting. And she kind of seemed to be the first person to advocate for the importance of exercise, but not just for women, for everybody. Um, so what are some of the ways that she changed how we think of exercise? And are we still benefiting from her work today? Um, well, I'll start with your second question. Yes. <laughs> I think <laughs> <we are. laughs> um, one of the reasons I was so fascinated by Bonnie Pruden was because she, she was this incredible pioneer who has had such an impact, but she's really been almost completely overlooked by the history books. And even when her name does come up, it's kind of as like a footnote. She's never really she hasn't really been treated as like a flesh and blood woman <laughs> in the past. And so I wanted to bring her back to life. Um, Bonnie was um, kind of a superstar in everything that she did. She was a mountain climber and a skier. She danced on Broadway. She was incredibly active. But then when she became a mom and um, entered a different phase of her life, her efforts really shifted to... Um, you know, physical fitness for the nation. And she, she was very, um, she kind of had like a gift for dramatic exaggeration. She could be a little over the top, but her thing was that in the 1950s, um, as more Americans adopted what they called the modern way of life, which was this life of convenience. And, um, you know, it involved much more sitting, sedentary desk work, sitting in front of the TV than ever before that, that our, you know, we weren't using our bodies. Americans weren't using their bodies and they were starting to suffer um, some ill effects. And so she wanted to get the nation moving again. Um, her, there's so many different, like facets to her story, but um, one one way in which she had sort of a mass impact was um, when, as she rose to become this national figure, she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. She was on the, the Today Show in its earliest days. She sent the message that everyone should exercise every day. And at the time, people were like, what? <laughs> you know, like there is this great radio interview um, with Mike Wallace, who would go on to be, you know, the, the uh, 60 Minutes correspondent, where he's like, so you think everyone, you know, should have a, an exercise routine, like after work, after the martinis? And she was like, yes. And you could just hear his skepticism. <laughs> so um, she, you know, both for women uh, for whom vigorous exercise was taboo, but even for men who really um, were being taught to, to prioritize kind of leisure, she sent the message that everyone, men, women, and children could benefit from movement. Yeah, that's so amazing. Mm -hmm. it, it's such a <laughs> neat entry point to this story because then we move right into like the swinging 60s and jazzercise and Jane Fonda. Was there a part that you liked writing about the most? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of like fell in love with each of the women <laughs> characters that I wrote about. I really did try to bring them to life. And so I, I tried to, you know, get into their shoes as much as possible in their, their heads. Yeah. Um, um, so it's sort of like being asked to choose among your children, you know, <laughs> um, 
but I, I really loved writing about the 1970s because that was, you know, that's when the, the country's fitness boom really started, but it was also when there started to be these really interesting intersections between fitness and the feminist movement. And, um, you know, one fueled the other. It was also, it was also when it wasn't just um, the rise of aerobics during that period, but the 70s also saw the rise of women's running. It was when women's strength training and, and bodybuilding um, took off or, or, you know, started to um, find an audience. And so there was just this really interesting confluence. And it was also kind of um, before it, fitness really went to a whole, you know, another level, a kind of, uh, it, it kind of was dialed up to an insane degree in the 1980s. So this was when it was like a little, in a little bit more of a pure state, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It does. laughs> okay. And it's so interesting too, because when I was reading the book, it always seemed to be like this kind of mo moment of women are starting to do this. And then we can make money off of this. <laughs> mm, <laughs> and mm. one of the more interesting parts was you talk about the Jane Fonda exercise videos. Mm -hmm. and they basically launched the home video movement, which we definitely remember with all of our Disney VHSs. Um, <laughs> and one thing I didn't realize was that you said they cost like $159 in today's money. I just like, that was not cheap. <laughs> no, no. Now, I would just, I would love to know, like, obviously that market was one affected greater than the, you know, exercise market. Were there other industries that were affected by the growth of women's exercise? Oh, that's such a great question. You know, I sort of focused more on the industries that sort of stealthily influenced fitness, kind of like the rise of the miniskirt. Why don't we talk about the fitness fashion? Because yeah. it is something that, you know, I grew up like putting on leg warmers to go to dance lessons, <laughs> like as a little tot. And like you yeah. had them when you were going in. So I think that clothing plays a huge role like with yeah. sports bras and like now everybody with our Lululemon yeah. like, <laughs> how have the clothes changed over the years yeah well yeah and I was really interested in looking at how um the evolution of women's fitness fashion kind of reflected both the evolution of fitness mm -hmm. and of women's role in society over the past 70 years um and and so like in the 1970s, the late 1970s, that's when we saw, for example, the invention of the sports bra. And I have been amazed from the beginning that the sports bra was not invented until 1977. Um, you know, before then, women who were active would like either wear two bras to try to create some compression or a size smaller or go braless. Um, and so, um, you know, that there were there were these three women in Vermont who basically invented it because they needed it for their own jogs. And um, necessity was the mother of invention there, but that really, you know, changed the landscape for, for women and made it um, a lot easier for many, many women to move. And then one of my favorite stories in the book um, has to do with the invention of Lycra, um, which the DuPont Chemical Company initially invented to create 
um, a more comfortable girdle. And I feel like more comfortable should be in quotes because they, they, there was nothing comfortable about a girdle, even if it was made of lycra. Um, and not long after they invented lycra, they started making lycra girdles. Women started ditching them like, you know, as a form of liberation. And it was only then that lycra became used for workout leotards, which women found to be very freeing at that time. And so um, with, each, with each era in fitness, there's been a sort of, you know, um, a parallel evolution in the fashion. And, and it's just a really interesting mirror to kind of where we are at a given moment in, in workout history. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I also, there seems to be like this constant tension in your book too, between, you know, women finding something that makes them feel great, but then it kind of becoming an exclusive thing mm. that pushes other women out. So how did you feel about like getting into these things that are supposed to empower women? And then it kind of always feels like it's then meant to push out women that don't look like Jane Fonda. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the biggest challenges of this whole project and this whole topic. And I think that tension, I mean, it's one of the things that drew me to this topic. I was really interested in exploring how um, fitness and beauty culture became so intertwined, you know, looking at the origins um, and, and also looking at how they're starting to be kind of untangled just very recently. Um, but, you know, I had to, of course, always like check myself as I was writing about the ways in which fitness had empowered women, you know, to, of course, look at the other side of that. Um, and, you know, it's, I think, for, for good reasons, um, the fitness industry has been, um, you know, the subject of a lot of criticism, especially from feminists and um but yeah, the challenge was was telling that story while also sort of acknowledging the very real ways that it's benefiting women's mental health and that it that it has you know mental health and physical health over the past many many years. Um, the I mean the exclusionary aspect of the industry is uh, very real, um, and I could kind of you know with each decade, there was a different, it, it kind of manifested in a different way. But, um, but for a very long time, there was just a very narrow um, ideal for what a, a fit body looked like. And I'm, I'm grateful that that's starting to change a little bit today. Yeah. And, and in that change, and really in the slow change that's taken place since the 50s, women have started to gain on the other end of this, that self-confidence and rights and like some freeing privileges. So how has this influenced women's self-confidence and their like willingness to go out into the world to be and do other things that weren't previously allowed? Yeah. Well, I think about in the 1970s, um, the rise of aerobics and aerobics, aerobic dancing in particular, you know, attracted kind of like everyday women who weren't necessarily out marching in the streets. Um, they were often wives, mothers, secretaries, um, and like their girlfriend or their neighbor would, you know, ask them to come along with them to a class. And, and then they would, 
they would find that they loved it. And what was very unique about that was um, it was it was an opportunity for women to care for themselves, to focus on their own physicality and strength and well-being in, in an environment that was, um, you know, separate from their role as as mother or wife or or um, anything else that that was sort of um, designed to assist men. And so, um, so many women talked about how like they, with aerobics especially, they initially went because it seemed fun and they wanted to, to maybe like lose weight or, you know, um, trim their figure. But the longer that they did it, the more they started to notice like more profound benefits. And it became about a feeling of, of just trust in their bodies and physical competence and physical confidence. And, you know, when you have that, that confidence in your own um, physical self and the way you make your way through the world, it can, it can translate into other realms of life. Um, I interviewed a lot of women who are now in their seventies, eighties, and even nineties who had discovered exercise in the 1970s. And it was really moving to hear about the role that it had played in helping them, you know, kind of navigate life transitions and loss in some cases, and just giving them, giving them the confidence to um, take on challenges in other parts of their life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool that it kind of ends now, but there is like a chunk right before the ending where, you know, you get into the yoga section, section, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that's, where we kind of grew up in, you know, like our mom Mm -hmm. kind of did the aerobics thing. And then we grew up in the yoga era. And there are these really interesting characters. We have Indra Devi and, oh my gosh, I'm trying to, um, Lilius Folin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They just seemed like such interesting women because, you know, you have, um, Indra, who was this like Russian silent movie star (laughs) who discovered yoga and then brought it to, the West, I mean, how different was what she was doing than what yoga has evolved into now? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Indra Devi is a fascinating figure. And uh, the challenge was sort of condensing her story into however many, you know, thousand words it ended up being. Um, What Indra Devi did that was really kind of ingenious at the time was, um, so she moved to the U.S. to Los Angeles in the 1940s, and she opened up a little yoga studio off of uh, the Sunset Strip, and she took yoga and kind of, she stripped it of its, most of its uh, spiritual and religious origins and sort of just made it a practice that was about health, well-being, and shaping your figure. <laughs> um, and um, and it, it caught on, especially among um, like Hollywood movie stars and people who were in the business of being professionally beautiful. Um, but then she wrote a, like a yoga self-help book. She exported her message to um, like wealthy wealthy ladies and housewives <laughs> around the country. And so she was the first to kind of really sell it as like a acceptable 
fitness and, and beauty practice in, in, in this country. Um, so if anything, I mean, I think, I think what she did is, you know, laid the foundation for what would, what would come. Lily Spolin, who you mentioned, I, she, I just loved learning about her. She had this long running show on PBS that aired right after Sesame Street. Um, it was called Lily, uh, Lily is Yoga and You. And so she, you know, she ended up attracting women who might not have been drawn to yoga. Despite Indra Devi, for a really long time, yoga had this kind of like mixed reputation in this country. People treated it as being very exotic and, and a little like a little bit spooky even. <laughs> and so she helped to she helped to further normalize it. Um, and then, it, you know, yoga was kind of like bubbling beneath the surface of the larger fitness industry for much of the second half of the 20th century. But it was, it was in the 90s um, when I think all of us like really came of age, you know, on, the, <laughs> on this show, um, that yoga exploded. And it was after the, you know, aerobics and big box gym and then even like abs of steel movements sort of had reached a fever pitch that that people started to feel burnt out and a lot of women had um injuries from aerobics from overuse or from doing high impact classes for many years and so yoga offered this kind of like giant you know exhale <laughs> this giant arm <laughs> and so um, within just a few years, also thanks to uh, celebrities and supermodels who, you know, swore by it, um, it just, it just exploded, um, across the country. Yeah. Yeah. I also don't know if you get this vibe. Lilius reminds me a lot of yoga with Adrian. <laughs> I feel like they look very similar and <laughs> I just get a similar vibe. That is that is so spot on. And you're the first person to make that connection, <laughs> but I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yoga with Adrian has come up, you know, she comes up often, but, um, I, I love that you see that because that's, I get the exact same vibe. as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you interviewed a lot of women who were part of like some early fitness crazes. What else did you do for research? Did you travel to certain places? Were you doing old workout videos? Like what <laughs> research were you involved in? Yeah, it was a pretty like immersive process. Um, I, so I sold the book to my publisher in the fall of 2019. And I did, you know, I had big plans to do a lot of traveling for the book. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, I got in like one or two trips before the world shut down. Um, but, um, but the, it, it was really a mix of interviewing, you know, like fitness legends, um, interviewing just the women who had lived much of the history in, in this book. And in some cases were just, you know, local instructors or, or enthusiasts, um, a little bit of traveling. I traveled to Bonnie Prudence archives before, before COVID and to, um, the home of Esther Fairfax, who's the daughter of Lottie Burke, who created Barr. Um, but then, 
so much of the research was just immersing myself in like fitness archives. And I joke that my apartment has become a vintage fitness museum because <laughs> I, it's, I really now have like hundreds of, you know, vintage fitness books, records, VHS tapes, um, old magazines. And it's kind of amazing actually what's available like on the internet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um, I'm making myself sound very old. <laughs> the, the, the internet is amazing, but, but really, but, um, but I was really surprised. Like there were like some pretty rare, you know, fitness resources that were available for like $5 on Amazon. So anyway, um, for, for other historians out there, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a treasure trove. Um, I did do many of the workouts, you know, or at least I tried to, I, I, I like dipped my toes in a little bit. Um, we actually randomly have a VCR in our apartment. And so I was able to get the original experience on some of these VHS tapes. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was just the most fun research process. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm sad that that stage of this is over because it, it just really, you know, it was really fascinating to see the text and the language and the imagery around women's bodies and women's, women's fitness sort of like evolve right in front of my eyes. I, I really loved that process. Yeah. And the book goes into so many different things, but I know you mentioned um, Haley Shapley's book, Strong Like Her. We interviewed her uh, a little while ago about her book. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, in her book, I know she went all the way back to like pedestrianism, which was like women just walking. Walking. <laughs> or was it hard for you to like kind of have to really pick and choose because obviously there were more fitness things kind of going on, but were there some unsung heroes that you didn't get to write about? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, and I really think there was like as much material on the cutting room floor in the end as there was in the book. I think I could have like a whole second book of, yeah. <laughs> of just what my editor cut out. Um, um, I tried to really hone in on the the figures that lay the groundwork for the ways that we work out today, you know, cause there, there are like so many fads and just offshoots and fascinating, fascinating figures, but I had to, I had to kind of draw the line somewhere. Mm. So um, that provided, you know, a framework. Um, and similarly with starting in the 1950s, um, you know, like I was saying, it, that was sort of where, where I was able to kind of pinpoint the birth of the contemporary industry. But um, Haley's book is amazing. And I, I just devoured it. And it was such a helpful resource for me. Um, yeah, there were, I mean, there were other TV fitness stars from the, from the 1960s who were also, you know, just fascinating, often ridiculous or kind of like outrageous figures that, that didn't make it in. Um, and, um, the woman who actually sort of coined the term aerobic dancing, Jackie Sorensen, was a little bit of a predecessor to Judy Shepard Missit, who invented jazzercise. She had a huge role, um, but she's not, she doesn't really do interviews anymore and she's not, you know, in a public in she in a public role and in the end you know she's in the book but she not not as prominently as as Judy Shepard miss it so um it was a good problem to have as a journalist yeah. you know like too much <laughs> material yeah 
So um, where can people find you? Where can they find this book if they want to get it and read it and um, all the places that they can come and follow you and your work? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Danielle Friedman Writes, and I sort of actually like chronicled my research process a little bit, um, or the highlights of that process, <laughs> um, the fun hey, stuff yeah. <laughs> on on my Instagram. So if you if you want some visuals to go with, um, you know, some of these names, there's a lot there. Um, I'm on Twitter at D Friedman Writes, and my website with all the the retro '70s color scheme <laughs> is uh, danielle-friedman.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on to talk about your book. We can't wait for our listeners to go out and read it and maybe drink this cocktail and it just <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> and enjoy get it physical. <laughs> and get physical, yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much. Yeah, yeah, you you got to take the stuff that you cut out and write, let's get physical again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, let's keep keep getting physical. <laughs> I like the idea of using a cocktail as like a barbell, you know, (laughs) it works. to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye